2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Debt to Live podcast. My name is Richard Young, and today's episode is different than a normal episode of the Death to Life podcast. It's kind of like a bonus one. Usually we'll, we interview someone and then they tell us their story about how they've gone from death to life in Jesus' name. But this is a conversation uh, with my friend, Coach Troy Beans, and my sister, Morgan Huffman about sex. And we had a lot of conversations and I, I heard a lot of feedback from the episode that um, uh, that my wife and Morgan and Tyler did. And so um, this one, we're just kind of discussing sex in marriage and, oh man, I can't, like there's so much stuff in here in regards to freedom. Um, so obviously this is not for kids. Um just be aware of that. But man, I found this conversation to be edifying. I found like there's so many lies that we just believe about sex. And this is not a a whole convert. Like we didn't solve all the world's problems, but it's a a beginning of a conversation that we need to be having. So um, just, man, I'm excited for you guys to hear this and to hear what you think. Um, And so with all that being said, let's go. Buckle up, strap in, love y'all, and appreciate y'all. Let's go. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? wanted to start um and morgan i know you coach i know you um but coach why don't you go ahead and give us just some background on why and 
just this this topic of sexuality, human sexuality, and marriage. Um, it's it seems very important to you, and from conversations that you and I have had, why? Talk to me about that before we jump into any of this stuff, just so we can get your background and 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 why you're on this podcast with us. Right, right. Uh, you know, so I'll be honest, it's something I've been fascinated with pretty much my whole life. And I would say when I was younger, I didn't didn't put a name of sex to it, didn't know, you know what I'm saying? But this idea of relationships and being connected. Uh you know, if you kind of go back to when you were really small, what did you dream about? Well, I, I really dreamed about two things. One was sports all the time, complete, total sports fanatic. I mean, you name it, I I love to do it. I, I chase the bouncing ball. But even as a young, you know, seven, eight-year-old boy, I'm thinking, I want to be married. I can't wait to be married. I want to have that woman who just loves me to death, that I love them. I had no idea what that meant. But that was important to me. It was really important to me. And then jump all the way forward to now I'm a coach. And there was one experience that just had a huge effect on me. Uh, I'm a coach. I'm an early, you know, second, third year coaching. And I got a volleyball team and we're down in Denver and we play this incredible match and we win it at the end. And a parent hands me a $20 bill, says, take the girls to Taco Bell. Okay. You know, you can go to Taco Bell with 15 kids on 20 bucks back then. Uh, so I do that. Everybody gets their food. We're sitting around and this team is just having this incredible bonding experience, just laughing and going on about this game. And I look over to my left, and there's one of my managers who, and he worked for me, and he's dating one of the players, and they're sitting over there by themselves. And, you know, they can sit over there if they want, but I just, I think that something's not right about that. You know, it's okay that they're over there, but just something's not right about that. And so this male-female relationship, I just, I'm just... I've always studied it, dug into it. Uh, my own issues, you know, a lot of guys don't get into relationships. I always have. I've read multiple books on it. And then as I got older and older, I just more and more the sexuality piece started to just, I started to see the huge effect it had in my life. And I just started to dig. Uh, and I'm a hold apart person, which means... When I get a new idea, I swallow the whole thing at once, which means I'm not going to understand it very well at all for a long time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just not. not going to. I don't really understand how this works. Give me a couple of years of just heavy lifting. And all of a sudden, wow, oh, this makes sense. So fast forward all the way to I become a life coach. And then I run into this uh, organization, the Medical Institute of Sexual Health. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I looked into it through a Christian organization. I want to know. I want to know more here. Uh, so I went and got certified with them. That certification is specifically to teach parents how to talk to their kids about sexuality. Uh, that's what that's about. Uh, now, I've taken their material and I've moved it to dating. I've moved it to marriage. Uh, and it's profound. Hmm. It's so profound that I'm personally 100% convinced the number one reason for divorce is sex. Oh, wow. Across the board. I, I, I don't think anything else in the fourth second. 
But people don't know why. They don't understand that. Uh, for most people, sex is just an act. Mm -hmm. And sex is just beyond that in scads. Uh, I have a, I have a, I don't, you can stop me here, Richard, at any time because I just talk forever well, here. Well, well that, I wanted to get that introduction and then I want to go to Morgan. Okay. And then we'll come yeah. back to that. And I think this will jump jump okay. off of this. Morgan, um, if any, if you're listening to the podcast, this is a little bit, this is kind of a one, only kind of this podcast that we've ever had where we're just dealing with a topic. Um, mm -hmm. But if you heard Morgan's episode, Morgan's episode number two, if you heard her husband's episode, if you've heard theirs and ours, um, one of the things that brought Morgan, you know, into this freedom was this trouble in her marriage because of uh, Tyler's addiction to lust, pornography, this sort of thing. This is kind of, you know, a few years ago this started happening. And from our last podcast and conversations that I've had with you, you have just, you have an interest in this topic. Go ahead and tell me why. And just a little bit of just a, kind of the journey and then we'll we'll jump off from there. Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> Um, okay, so I have since graduate school, so not too long ago, probably like four years ago when I first started, um, became very interested in sex and education, but not the sex ed I had like in high school or even middle school that wasn't helpful really at all. I wanted to talk about what experiences women were having because from what I could tell, it wasn't very good. Like all these women around me were not talking about sex in a really positive way. Um, and growing up, like even before then, I remember being told that like it was my responsibility to stop my boyfriend whenever he was going to push things too far. It was my responsibility to dress modestly so that I wouldn't like cause any boys to stumble. And so pretty much forever, I had a skewed image or idea about what sex was specifically in relation to the role of the sexes. And so I'm told in high school and then into college, like, oh yeah, boys, oh man, they're just going to want to have sex all the time. Your husband, he's just going to be out of control. You're just going to have to have sex with him all the time. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, that's not going to happen because nobody's going to have any control over me. So instead I'm going to do that to my husband. Like if that's what's expected of me, I'm going to flip the script here and I'm going to be the one in charge of when we have sex and how often. And I quickly realized that this uh, wasn't, it wasn't going well because I was being rejected all the time by my husband. And I was like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Like all of my friends told me that you were going to want to do this all the time. And I'm just really confused as to why you're not. And so then I start second guessing my worth and then my pride was too crazy. So then I was like, no, 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 Morgan, you're not the issue. It's for sure Tyler. Like for sure he's the one who has the problem. Um, and so sex just became this monster that I used to have control over my husband and that my husband would use to have control over me by not having sex with me. And so in that moment, he had 
control over the situation. Uh, yeah, then come to find out, Tyler doesn't want to have sex with me because he has an addiction to lust and he feels super guilty and super shameful. And then once all of that was gone, and once my desire to have control over him was gone, sex actually got to be what it was intended to be for us. So we're, we've lost all of these like weird um, libido thing, like these lies that we were told. We've lost all of this shame and this guilt going into sex. We've lost all of the pride going into it. We've lost this lie that says sex is just for the man and the woman's pleasure is an afterthought. We've lost all the lies. And now we get to enter into the truth of what sex is. And it has been insane. <laughs> it's been insane. And so then I started talking about it because I was like, does everybody know this? Like, does everybody know that sex is not what we've talked about it to be? And I'm realizing, no. Like, a lot of the people that I talk to look at me like I'm insane when I kind of describe the, like, the sexual encounters that I'm having with Tyler. And they're like, I don't know what kind of sex you're having, but that is not, that does not describe my experience. And so I have just become super obsessed with talking about it because it is the most insane gift that we have been given. Um, And I know that people would say that to me, like in high school and college, and I'd be like, ew, gross. But like, literally, it is only created for intimacy and pleasure. And it's just this really cool example of, Christ in us, like that we get to then experience with, with our partners. So yeah, that's kind of the short version, even though it was a little long, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it all. So in our last podcast, Morgan, um, Mm -hmm. I was, we were talking about uh, Natalie and I, and we started talking about the pornography aspect of it. And I was talking to Coach a few days later, and he was just like, Richard, I heard you say that uh, you didn't think that that had affected her because she didn't really know about it. And uh, I think you said the same thing. Um, And I kind of want to just throw it back to Coach here for a second. Um, When you're here, when you heard me say that on the podcast and it struck a chord with you, like, huh, tell me why that struck a chord with you and just talk to me a little bit about that. We'll, we'll start with here and, and we'll see where this thing goes. Well, yeah. And Morgan, what you're talking about is to back up a little bit, the Christian world has completely abdicated their responsibility about sex to the secular world. Mm. Because I, I have a program called a 30 day sex challenge and it's for couples who are really already got a great marriage. It's not for someone struggling. Uh, But one of the things in there, and it's called be pure, be one, be pure, be holy. And when I talk to Christian couples and I talk about the purity of this act, when I talk about the spirituality of this this, uh, act, I don't want to go too deep into that for this particular podcast, but it's about the holiest thing we do. Mm-hmm. And that idea is completely foreign. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like reintroducing someone as a, f- a five-year-old kid to life. They look at you like, I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has never crossed my mind. So, Richard, when, when you start talking about that, my first thought was, oh, it's, you know, Morgan wants to talk about this. 
But what you're saying, Richard, and most people are doing is they're going, talk about what? I, I, I don't know what to talk about. Yes. You know, they just don't know what to talk about. And, you know, I, it's where do we go with this? And the, the sad thing is, we'll back up. To, let's take a 13-year-old kid. He go, starts going through puberty. And as older people, we look at him and say, oh, boy, they're they're going to start going through all this stuff. And about 21, 22, they'll come back to us. But in the meantime, they're going to be crazy. That's like giving a kid a car without a steering wheel. But the problem is the 22, 25, 35, 45 still doesn't have a steering wheel. They still don't know. They may have three kids. They may have whatever. They still don't know what to talk about. That's why parents don't talk to their kids about sex because they don't know where to start. You know, it's not like, okay, we're going to talk about what mom and I, mom and dad did between the sheets last night. No, you shouldn't talk about that. You know, that's that's not what we have to talk about when we're talking about sexuality. It's just so much more than that. And it's it is the most holy thing. We get to create a human. That's as close to God as you can get. And then when you get into all the brain science, and I won't get too complicated with that, God created us that way, and he created for us to bond and connect. And so, Richard, when you're saying that didn't affect Natalie. Oh, it's affecting Natalie in a huge, huge way because she instinctively knows you're not connected to her. Mm -hmm. And that's where so many women are like, I'm just an object in this thing. I'm just somebody. I'm just a body here. He doesn't really, he just comes to me when he needs what he needs. Uh, You know, or I don't, this is kind of an old fashioned term, but you know, I'm going to get some tonight. Get some what? I mean, that, that's about as callous and uncaring. And it, marriage is the ultimate team sport. We do this together. Sex happens together. This isn't, oh, I need it, so hand it over. Mm-hmm. No, it's so much more than that. Oh, it is so much more than that, as it turns out. And it's so it's interesting. Um I'm realizing in conversations with people like Richard and Natalie um, and people around the community, it's interesting, like reading books about this. It's crazy. And maybe you've run into this, Troy. Um, I'm interested to know, actually. But it's crazy how much information in Christian literature highlights sex as a need that men have that wives have to meet, like men need to use the phrase you just need. They need to quote unquote, get some. Um, And then if wives don't provide that for their husbands, they are at fault if their husbands commit adultery because they only did that because they weren't sleeping with them. Um, It's actually in book after book, after book, after book, just this idea that women are supposed to have sex whenever their husband or to set up a schedule where they're for sure at least having sex every 72 hours. Just these, man, these common things over and over again about it being the woman's responsibility to have sex with their husband. And the problem with that is it tells men that they're monsters, essentially. Like we're telling men, yeah, you have to have this thing or you're going to be you're going to step out on your wife. Like you have to have this thing or you're just going to be extra stressed at work or you're like, we're literally putting this title on men. Like you are a sex crazed 
person and that just is who you are and it's your wife's responsibility to kind of figure it out. Um, so have you run into any of those ideas in your conversations with people and in your work? Oh, that's all I run into. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's just, that's just an absolute. I mean, if I run into someone who's, you know, when I heard you say, oh, wow, this is off the charts. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, oh, this is pure gold. Because I, yeah. I celebrate success in my life. That's what I love to see people who are just knocking it out of the park. I mean, that's, you know, that's why I was a basketball coach. I want to see my kids succeed. Uh, I do anything to help them succeed. I want to make that happen for them. So when I hear you saying that, I know where you're headed. And I'm just like, oh, that's gold. That's just so good because it's so frequent. And, and really take it back to death to life. Yeah. How many people, Richard, are out there just doing everything they can to be good? And it ain't working. <laughs> no. You know, it's, it's rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. Okay, I'm going to have sex with my husband every 72 hours. In some ways, that's not a bad thing. I mean, there, there can be a lot of sure. good things that can come out of that. You know, in and of itself, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. But boy, howdy, if you're looking at your calendar going, I got to do this again today, that ain't mm-hmm. good. You know, that's not what it was meant to be. Oh, or the husband's like, oh, man, I, I I get to have some again today or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's, for example, I heard a guy speaking on on the Song of Solomon. And it's a beautiful book in the Bible. And it's incredibly sexual. And it's gorgeous and amazing. But he made the comment. He goes, yeah, when I, the day I got married, I couldn't get in the car fast enough. And I couldn't get to the hotel fast enough. And I kept going, well, was she in the car? Did she go with you? <laughs> Was she part of this? You know, and so for so many of us men, they are we don't mean it to be this way, but it really is. And, you know, I've had couples, I've had a lot of pre-marriage, because my focus in what I do is pre-marriage coaching. I do marriage coaching. I charge twice as much because I you have to be really dedicated for me to take that on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for pre-marriage a lot of my couples have been virgins. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, is, well, for both for both men and women, but for women especially, they've been saying no their whole life. Yeah. And we got to stop this and say, okay, now what does yes mean and why? I mean, I had one year late, well, I hope it's good for him. I said, wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Completely wrong answer. Uh, no, we need to figure out why this is going to be really good for you. Mm-hmm. And if you want me to expand on that, Richard, I will. I've been talking too much here. Yeah, Troy, go ahead and wait. <clears throat> the question being knowing more about the pleasure for for women. For women, yes. Yeah, I want to know more about the conversations that you have with women that highlights like, no, this is for you too. Yeah, well, not only is it for you, it it if you the best sex is two two people just right. thoroughly thoroughly connected and enjoying each other, and for a woman who says, "Well, this is just for him," no, there there's so much about this is for you. So for a woman to start to go, when is this good for me? Why was it good for me then? 
What kind of things did we engage in? And that's when I when I do this 30-day sex challenge, I have people do all kinds of different things mm-hmm. to open up their brain and, and give them things to go, oh, we've never tried that before. We've never done this before. Oh, I really like this. There's a lot of men who do not know the female genitalia. They don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important that they know how this works. That, that's That's a big part of it. But getting back to what I was saying, for a female to start to understand, this is what works for me. And and what this really does is for a man, sorry if I'm jumping all over the place, I tend to do that. But for a man, at the very heart of us, the very heart of us, the most important pleasurable thing for us is to see our wife enjoy this. We want that more than anything on the planet. We just do. Now, we can be really selfish. We can. We, we, you know, it's, it's easy for men to go that route. But deep down, we're like, oh, man, look what I just helped her do. So when a female figures this out for her, that's like Christmas for her husband. Oh, my goodness. My wife is loving this. My wife is just really, really into this. I was speaking to a group of people one time, I'll never forget it, and I said, women, you've got to figure out how good this is for you. And I'll never forget this lady sitting on the front row, just got the biggest smile on her face. I'll never forget that. Uh, you know, and she's like, oh, wow. Because most of the time, women are like, oh, I got to do this for my husband. This doesn't really work for me. I'm not really enjoying this. To the point where... This this is true. It does happen that there are some women who want sex more than their husband does. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I haven't coached, you know, a thousand couples. Mm-hmm. I haven't run into one of those yet. Well, sure you're I'm talking to one. I definitely okay. like to have sex more than Tyler. And he, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is another thing um, that... I didn't know what to do with because like you just, I had never spoken to another person in a relationship like that. So I didn't know that it existed truly. And so I didn't well, know what to uncommon. do. It's not uncommon. I'm, mm-hmm. I just, I haven't run into, but what I have run into, mm-hmm. I, one time I was watching this video and this lady, she goes, I'm 11 years into marriage. I've had three kids and I figured out I'd never had an orgasm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's so sad. But I've had clients who are in the same boat. Right. You know, and so that's not terribly unusual. Uh, and the thing about that, that is that is a communicate, that is a husband and wife got to dig into this and figure this out, do what they need to do to make it happen. And I've, I've read multiple women who've had that issue who once they get past it, they love sex. Right. They orgasm on a regular basis. It's, it's not a difficult thing for them, but it's for whatever reason, there's a complexity there that takes some time to get, get on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's, it's just really important for women to understand how is this good for me? Right. It's interesting. As I'm, I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about a marriage where both like the husband and the wife, uh, begin to live out kind of what you're talking about, which is just like this very mutual pleasure and sex and just like enjoying that intimacy. And I am 
thinking about Tyler and myself and how we entered into marriage as these people who were living in lies, like in death, essentially. And we didn't know that we were. We didn't know that we were believing lies about ourselves, which meant that we were then believing lies about each other. Um, And I'm wondering if we ever could have gotten to a mutual, beautiful, sexual, um, just like sex lives in general without first realizing that we were free from the lies that were holding us captive. And I don't know because that I didn't experience it. I've only experienced sex in this uh, new lens of myself and of my husband, which is that I am free from the power of sin because of Jesus's sacrifice. And so then I get to thinking about how we get men and women to, to like stop believing these lies about sex. And it's directly related to the lies that they're believing about themselves. And for me, it was believing a lie that sex was only for my pleasure and it was only for my control. For Tyler, it was believing that sex was like this thing that he kind of had to hide because he was doing things that he wasn't that he wasn't proud of and that it was like a shameful thing that he had to enter into. Um, Richard, I feel like I feel like you're wanting to say something about this this whole death situation. So no. Oh, I'm just listening. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, 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 okay. Um, and same thing for Richard and Natalie. For Natalie, it it seems to be this lie that uh, her husband's pleasure is kind of all that really mattered, and her pleasure was kind of like, oh, that's nice. That happened this time. That's that's great news. And I'm realizing how in the world can we get people to a place of pleasure without knowing that they are free from the power of sin. Um, and so that is my biggest passion in this talk about sex. And it so like, yeah, I absolutely want to talk about um, how we enjoy each other physically and how we stop looking at each other as objects. Absolutely. The only place though that I believe we can get there is when we stop believing lies about God. And when we believe that um, God isn't as good as he says that he is, and when we believe that his promises aren't as beautiful as they are, and when we believe that, or if we believe that his promises aren't ours today, that it starts to skew everything. And sex seems to be one of the first thing that it skews. Um, and so, yeah, I I am just so passionate about telling, like grabbing men by the shoulders, honestly, and just being like, you are not a slave to lust. You are not a slave to sex. Like you are not a slave to anything. You are a free child in Jesus' name. And I want to grab women by the shoulder and just say like, you are not a slave to any of the lies that anybody has ever put on you related to sex. Like you are not a slave to anybody. You are free. You are a daughter. You are loved. You are pure. You are holy. And then from that point, we can enter into the sexual union with our partners, knowing exactly who we are, knowing exactly who our partners are, and knowing that God is as good as he says he is. And so then we can enter into holy and pure sex with each other, because we have that foundation. And so I'm like, all right, where do we start? Like, how do we have these conversations with people um, in order to build the foundation of purity? And 
because that's what it is. I love what you said that sex is like one of the holiest thing, things that we do. And I've never thought about it like that, but it's so true. Richard, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just going to ask coach that as you've been listening to this podcast and dealing with all the things that you're dealing with, kind of just doubling down on her question, like as, as we're preaching, talking about freedom from sin and putting that lens on, has it made you think about this thing differently? And like Morgan was saying, where do we start in your opinion on this thing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's freedom from sin. It's you've got to die, correct? Yeah. And, and, and the reason we don't have freedom from sin and the reason we don't die is because we don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to die. Yeah, I'll die to some things. I ain't dying at everything. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're you're kind of in limbo there. Uh, but that death to self is really, if you were to do a scale of one to 100, we're at one. What does 100 mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have a scale for marriage from one to 10. And I say, personally, this is my own opinion, that the average good marriage in America on a scale of one to 10 is a three. The good ones are a three. Yeah. Now, I mean, yeah. if you're just together, you're at one, you're committed, you're still, you're not divorced. We think that's pretty good, but that's nowhere near 10. Mm-hmm. 10 is two people who are, have take, they've released self. They give grace. They give honor. They are not going to be selfish. They are looking out for each other. That's what dying to self is. Now, uh, Morgan, when you talk about how do you get there, you know, I I have read about studied couples that have amazing sex lives and have gotten there and they're not Christian people. Right. I I follow. In fact, I've talked to her on the phone. I, I talked to a lady on Instagram who just has this incredible. And every time I read what she posts, I just sit there and I just like, oh, this is so beautiful. (laughs) This is so beautiful. Uh, Not Christian, Mm -hmm. but she is just so unselfish in where she's going. Uh, So we start at that point. So when we get to talking about sexuality, when we're, when we die to sin, we're free. Mm -hmm. You get a marriage, Richard, I'll pick on you. You've been married 11 years. Man, I'll tell you what, you got some baggage there after 11 years of not being free. Mm-hmm. That's not something you just, you know, flip a switch and we're, we're ah, okay, we're good. Uh, you know, it kind of happens that way because when we go from the natural to the supernatural, God does some amazing things in us like almost instantly, which is incredible. Uh, but just because the thief on the cross said, yeah, I want to be with you in paradise, and he is going to be there, does the thief understand everything in the Bible? Of course not. You know, so there's so much more to learn and to grow and to expand and understand. And, and that's where uh, this, this is kind of a complicated quote, but it's one of my favorite quotes in the whole world by Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. And he said this. He said, he said, simplicity on the near side of complexity. He said, I'd give my, he said, he said, I would, he said, I wouldn't give a fig 
for simplicity on the near side of complexity. But he said, I'd give my right arm for simplicity on the far side of complexity. So we get married, we have sex, it's simple. It's a simple act. You know, we're kind of nervous and scared and all those funky things, but we do it. But then, wow, this is getting a little complex. My wife's not always ready to do this. My husband's not always ready to do this. Uh, (laughs) There are things that come up here. That's the complexity. And we don't dive into the complexity. We ignore it completely. And so when our kids come along, what do we tell them? We hand them a book. We hope. We pray. We say nothing. Because we don't, we haven't gone through the complexity ourselves. But when you mm-hmm. get through the complexity, Tyler figures out his his obsession and his is all the things that he has. You figure out your obsession with control. Mm-hmm. Boy, you get rid of those things. You add the Holy Spirit to it. Now all of a sudden, you're on simplic- and simplicity on the far side of complexity, right. and you're blowing a roof off this thing. Right. I mean, this is just unbelievable on how good this is and man how few people get there that's the sad thing uh you know richard i used to coach basketball there was always a winner and a loser now i coach couples there never has to be a loser right ever you know everybody can get here uh in their own way uh i think the other thing morgan i'll just say this one last thing you're very passionate about which is fabulous and good uh but every couple's different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I run into a couple like you all. I know I'm going to have to deal with this and listen in a different way than I deal with the couple who, you know, I haven't had an orgasm in 11 years. That's mm-hmm. a different animal. Uh, and it's very, very different. And every couple's different and unique and has their own way. Uh, and there's nothing, most of the time, there's really nothing wrong with their way. You know, sometimes it, you know, sex can get crazy and goofy and, and how when we get into darkness, sexuality can create some of the worst darkness. Mm-hmm. That's why the devil goes after it so hard. I mean, you look at the Christian church and we've just we've just said, keep your pants on, be pure, put that ring on your finger and, and do what you're supposed to. You know, did have we ever did we ever say to this kid, you know, there's a Holy Spirit who loves you? There's a Jesus who loves you that can walk you through this. Uh, you know, it, it just, that's why I have a talk called Why You're So Sexy. And I love to go to teenagers, the high school kids, and give this talk. And I can't tell you, Morgan, how many women, girls have walked out of that talk and come up to me afterwards and say, wow, I get to choose where I'm headed here. And I'm like, yes, you do. We're not talking <laughs> abortion. We're talking about what happens to my body long before that thing happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I have choice. I get to decide. Yeah, you do. And, you know, then you get into the whole thing with boys. And, uh, you know, stop me at any point here because I just keep rattling. But men, Richard, you're going to say something. No, I was just going to, I kind of want to get down a little bit and see if we can just make something simple for somebody listening to this that Mm. is enjoying the conversation, but wants to start somewhere with something fundamental. Um, And let's say we're starting, let's say we're starting with a couple who has dealt with similar things that Morgan and Tyler were dealing with. Um, 
where do we start from? Where, oh, one of them was having a problem with lust and they both of them don't want it, but there's some hurt, there's some pain there. Where, where do we start? Where do we go? We're looking at sex in marriage. And it's the idea, okay, we get married and everything's just happily ever after. And the reality, that just doesn't happen for most people. So where do I get help? Where do I start? You know, do I need to find another book? Do I need to find another mentor? Do I need, where do I need to go? And I actually have a quote by Oswald Chambers that I think really encapsulates this the best. And he says this, he says, no one understand human beings the way God understands human beings. I mean, first and foremost, it's a spiritual thing. Our lives are a spiritual thing. And it's, it's what are the lies are we telling ourselves? What do I not know? Where do I go from here? James 1.5, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it without finding fault. We've all read it. We all think about that, but we don't do it. So if I've got a sexual issue, I'm going to take that specific sexual issue, wherever that is, I'm going to say, Lord, I need spirit. I need your Holy Spirit to give me wisdom on this issue. He may send you to a book or to a person or a podcast. Just might give you wisdom right then and there. Maybe I need to talk to my husband. Maybe I need to talk to my wife. But we start with that Holy Spirit. God created us. And it's not like the Bible's just a owner's manual because it's way more than that. It's alive. We're alive. Uh, you know, and we're all, so you start with God, you start with the Holy Spirit. So, so what are the lives we're believing? And Morgan, I'll just ask you, just off the top of your head, what are some of the lives that women are believing? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. And I think that it's very diverse because the lives that I was believing are not the same as the lives that I read and that I talk about other women having, but to kind of give a general idea of the lies that women are believing is that we are made whole by a partner. This is a lie. Like this lie that you're not already everything that God created you to be, that you are already perfectly loved, that you are already holy and blameless in God's sight, you know, lies that there needs to be control in relationships or else you might get hurt lies that are related to sex, that I am just kind of a body for my husband's pleasure. Just like these crazy lies that directly go into the identity, right? Like totally shifting what these women believe to be true about themselves versus what God has already spoken over them. And these lies have direct impact on sex, obviously, and relationships. Because if you're believing that you are only made complete by your partner, you're kind of willing to do whatever for them because they're the only way that you are okay. They're the only way that you are loved. They're the only way that you are whole. And so if you're believing this, you'll kind of feed into them because you need it. You need them to be there. You need their partnership in order to be okay. This is a lie. (laughs) Like wives out there, if you are listening, just know you are made whole in Jesus name. Your husband is there to share that with, and to share life with and to be partners in the same way that Eve was created for Adam, not because Adam was 
a half human. He was already a whole created beautiful human being. Eve was created as this beautiful example of partnership and sharing of God's love. Um, so yeah, sorry to, well, there's all of that, but those are some of the lies that are being believed. Troy, so kind of, yeah. Can, can I chime in on, on some of the lies that us guys? Sure. Like, absolutely. So, yes. <laughs> kind of like, um, if we don't understand sin, if we mm. don't understand the difference between desire and sin, if we right. think that the rest of our lives we're going to be managing our lust problem and then mm-hmm. believing that we're just a lust problem waiting to happen. And then, like Tyler's situation, why wasn't he able to, you know, he was not interested in intimacy with Morgan. Why was that, like... In my situation, like I felt like I was owed something because of, you know, past sexual sins, uh, like lies of our past saying that they have control over us or they have the final word. Um, the baggage, the lies that you're going to be carrying your bags with you. Uh, and, and, we've, <laughs> and we've said that lie to men and women by saying, mm-hmm. by, by how we talk about abstinence and this is why you should stay abstinent because if you mess up no one's going to want to be with you like you're tainted goods um so there's so many lies in how like and good-hearted people have shared these lives but they've caused destruction and and messed up identity and people believing that they are their mistake and so now i owe this person something this because i made a mistake And then the other person will be like, yeah, they do owe me that. And it's just like, where is love in the picture? Where is us in the picture? Where is we're new creations? Um, So much Mm. baggage, so many lies that just keep people wrapped up in in their baggage. And it goes right into marriage. It's almost from the Mm -hmm. from Jump Street where we're dealing with this stuff. Yeah. And a couple of things just just to throw in a little brain science here. You know, Richard, you're talking about this lust issue. Well, brain scientists have taken couples that have been married for years and years and years monogamous, and they literally show them provocative pictures of each other to try and get arousal. And you know what they find? Their brain lights up in the same place that love lights up, not lust. So someone who has been monogamous and loving their spouse they're, you know, when they're sexually aroused, this is not lust. This is love. It's a whole different deal. It's a Can whole different. I... Let me go after go ahead, you, Morgan, because I. OK, so there's this book uh, by Esther Peril, which is she's probably the she lives in New York. She's her book. How oh, what's it called? It's probably one of the most famous books about sexuality within like into marriage after a few years into marriage. And what she says is that like sexuality and arousal and everything is all based on the unknown. Like that you like mystery, intrigue. Uh and so how do you bring mystery and intrigue into your marriage after you have you know, been with someone for such and such many years. And so like she's trying to introduce in concepts that 
bring like the excitement of mystery and intrigue. And the more I think about that, the more I'm like, no, no, and it's for these people that are, you know, in Adam one in the flesh. And mm-hmm. it's like the seven year itch. We remember that movie with Marilyn Monroe. It's about a guy who's been married for seven years. And they say after seven years, you get the seven year itch. And so we're, they're talking to all these people. And I read the book and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And I'm trying to add it up with like what it makes sense like a, with a Christian's life, someone living in the spirit. And I can't say that it does, but that's what we do. We look at what the world is saying and it's like, oh, add this in and make it crazier and add this in and this in. And Christians, like the whole point is like, we're here to know each other more fully in the same way that God knows us and we know God. That's the way, like, that's this intimacy with our spouse. So it can't be about not knowing somebody for there to be intrigue to make sex better. And so, like, if we're listening to the world and getting advice from people living in the flesh, like, I'm not sure it's going to have the answers that we're looking for. Well, and again, Richard, this, the next time I was going to answer a, a using brain science, what Morgan was talking about earlier, also applies to what you just said. And, and, and that's the cool thing about this brain science is they can literally go in and watch the brain work. Where does it light up? Why does it do what it does? And for example, one of the biggest lies, Morgan, I think women tell themselves. They don't just tell themselves. They believe this, that I am not beautiful. Because all you got to do, I mean, is look around and go, oh, she's better than I am. That movie star is better. That Whatever. We compare and we instantly go, I am not beautiful. Brain science has shown this, that at orgasm, male and females, their brain is flooded with different sex hormones. And one of the things that does, it in essence takes a picture of what's in front of them and they bond to that. And it's a very powerful bond. It happens every time. So if you're having sex with multiple partners, you're bonding with a lot of people. But the cool thing is, if you're having sex with the same person, you start to create this bond, literal physical bond in your brain that says that attracts you more and more and more to the person in front of you. So this idea, man, I've been married 30 years. I've been looking at the same woman. I'm tired of her. That's nonsense. God did not make us that way. And to be just very personal from my own viewpoint, I I had a sex addiction for 39 years. 39 years. It sounds like eternity. It really, you know, when I think about that, I'm like, I'm not even 39 years old. Well, obviously I am. but uh, And so I had a big part of my marriage where I had all this confusion in my head. I didn't know what oneness was. I didn't know a lot of things. And when I came out of that, and I, I actually picked a sobriety date because I don't know when it actually is, but January 1st of 2014. So I'm seven years, almost eight years into this. And the change in me has been so dramatic. I don't care if you put a gun to my head. I wouldn't go back to that other for anything. My wife is the most beautiful woman on the planet. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell Richard that, hey, my wife's more beautiful, because that's not true. Not true at all. 
She is for me. I mean, she is for me. And it, and the cool thing, I think she's actually starting to believe me a little bit. <laughs> and that's a wonderful thing. But God designed the brain to mold two people together that the longer you're married, the more you're monogamous, the more you have sex, the more you're attracted to each other. Now, that doesn't mean, Richard, we can't do some different things. We, you know, it doesn't have to be exactly the same way every single time. But it's not the position, it's not this that creates that beauty and goodness. It's what God designed in our brain, and it's a spirit, it's a physical thing, it's an emotional thing, and it's a profoundly spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's extremely powerful. It is incredibly powerful. And when I look at the way society talks about sex, the way the church talks about how we don't have sex before marriage and the way that we talk about sex once you are married. I realize that there's this very common theme woven throughout all of those conversations. And the common theme that I see is lust. Um, in the secular sense, lust is very much a glorified, exciting thing, right? Like we have all of these crazy sex symbols and we're almost like, told that we're supposed to lust after these human beings. Um, and men are told you will always have this battle with lust in kind of the evangelical sector. Like lust is just this very common conversation, this very common theme throughout the world. And I cannot stand it. And we're not talking about it enough. I really do feel that way. I don't feel like we're talking about what lust actually is, number one the way that it cannot exist in marriage, number two, and number three, how we are free from it. (laughs) Like we are free from the powers of lust at work in our members. Okay. So what is lust, right? Like what, what is it? I feel like we're not really understanding it because, and the reason that I think that we're not understanding what lust is, is because it's existing in Christian marriages. And if we understood what it was, we would know that it actually has no place in our bodies. It has no place in our marriage and no place in our minds because it is actually contrary to how we're supposed to see our spouses. Because lust says, your body is for me. I have a need. I desire your body to meet that. Like I need it. Um, and this is a lie that I hear a lot of wives talking about with their husbands. Like, oh my word, he just wants to have sex all the time. La la la. I have a hard time believing that these husbands that all my friends were talking about are wanting to have sex purely out of, I desire intimacy with you and I desire union in the way that God created it to be. And I think it's more along the lines of, I want to have an orgasm. Like I want to have sex. Let's do this right now. Like you're my wife. This is what we're created to do. Um, And so I just want to like encourage men and women to recognize that this thing, this motivation to have sex related to lust at all is an absolute zero. Now, arousal and lust are very different things. And I think this is where it gets confusing. And this is what I just am really interested in clarifying and talking about, because it is a beautiful thing to look at your partner and to desire them in intimacy, because you get to do that. You get to share with them in that intimacy, the way that we have encountered the Holy Spirit, the whole, like God in us. And so then intimacy with a husband and a wife, it's like that same sort of 
two becoming one and the same way that we have become one with God through his spirit. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Troy, if you kind of want to talk about that for a minute and how I do. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is just fitting together here so well. It's amazing. Praise God. Praise God. You know, we talk about the, what are the lies we're believing. And one of the biggest problems is most of us don't even have any idea what lie exactly. I'm believing. Exactly. And, and the reason we don't have any idea, we don't, because no one's talked about it. I mean, we don't talk, you know, when I, in a nutshell, when I talk to teenagers, okay, I, I can do the old style thing and say, hey, keep your pants on, son. It hasn't worked. It's a mess. It's shameful. It's all of those things. My thing is you can say no to something when you have a much deeper yes inside. I got to teach the yes. I got to give that person a reason to say yes to something. Oh, wow. I want that. That's why this is what I'm going to do now. This is my yes. That, that changes everything. So, but what are the, you know, we're talking to married people right now. So what are the lives they're believing? They don't even know. So here's a little something that people can try. When, if you're married, husband, wife, whatever, it, stop and think about this on a scale of one to 10 in your sex life. A one would be sex is dirty, provocative, uncomfortable. It's what the world shows. It's, you know, watching a movie and they walk in the house, clothes start flying. He grabs her, throws her up against the wall. And 10 seconds later, they're done. And like, I'm, I was going, does anybody ever actually do that? I mean, does that actually happen? I mean, I don't know. Never happened in my world. Uh, I'm just like, this doesn't make sense. But, okay, that's a one. So do we think about sex that way? Because it's dirty. You know, we're encouraged to talk dirty. You know, that orgasm, what's coming out of my mouth? Hmm. Where we go to 10. Let's go to a 10 would be holy, mm -hmm. pure, righteous, an act of worship. Oneness not only with my spouse, but with my Father in heaven. It, I want people who are listening to this to stop and think, when I think about sex, do I think holy or do I think strip club crazy mm -hmm. or somewhere in between? Mm -hmm. And what I have found, virtually nobody goes, oh, yeah, it's absolutely holy. No, deep down inside, because that's all we know. Hmm. No one talked about the holiness and beauty of this. You go to Ephesians 5, and it clearly lays that out. Believe your father and mother and be one, but I'm talking about God and the church. Well, which one is he talking about? He's talking about both. He's taken oneness, physical oneness between husband and wife, and elevated it to the same thing as God and the church. Yeah. At orgasm, are we praising Jesus? Are we mm. lifting up holy hands? Are we seeing this as pure, holy in worship? Mm. Or is it blankety blank blank because that's what I know to do? Right. That lust. There it goes. There it goes. I tell you what. Yeah. So if this is the first podcast, first death to life podcast that you've heard, 
and you're like, man, this is really good stuff. And but you haven't heard anything that's come before. Everything that has come before in this podcast is about people receiving the truth over themselves and being given what has been theirs since the beginning of time and understanding the truth of who they are in Christ. And if if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that, then you're listening, you're like, well, how can I give if I don't have? And so I want to put this appropriately where it belongs. We can do all of what you're talking about. It can be holy. It can be pure. It can be, if we understand, if we understand that about ourselves, if we understand right. this is our position in life, um, like this is not just like sex advice. This is about no. understanding all of this the whole picture of who you are in Christ so that the rest of your life is lived giving, not getting, and in your giving you will get. And just kind of as I kind of want to wrap up here because there's a lot and we could go for years and years and years talking about this, but I kind of want, I kind of want each of you and, and I think in the future there's going to be plans to continue these conversations maybe on in a different form but um, to share your heart with what you want people to understand about this thing, if, if they can take one thing away from our conversation today, if they're looking at their marriage and like what we just kind of just start this question, I don't know where to start. Give me something. Give me a foothold here where I can jump off from this. Um, but we'll start with you, coach, and then we'll go to uh, to Morgan and... Um, yeah, just share your heart with the people that are listening that want to know your, your, your main thing that you want to give them. I'm going to, I'm going to talk specifically to men, uh, from the fact that the thing I would say men and women, but face your fears around sexuality, face your fears around sex. I'm talking to men, face your fears about sex with your wife. If you have a porn problem and she doesn't know, you're going to have to take this to the Lord. You're going to have to work out wisdom with him. Morgan, you know how hard that is when that conversation happens. It can be devastating. Uh, having wisdom from God needs to happen. But men have to tar start taking responsibility for their actions in every way. When I was a basketball coach, I told my team, my job is to turn boys into men, and we're not there yet. Now, I was talking to teenagers. Now I'm talking to a lot of people who are no longer teenagers, but it's not how tall you are and how much you weigh that make you a man. There's a whole lot of little boys my age out there running around doing their own selfish little thing. And men, when we face our fears about sex... We start to understand there's emotion, there's feelings here, and most of the time we are so afraid of that we refuse to go there. So we don't talk to our spouses, we don't talk to anybody about it. So for a man to face his fears, he needs to start talking to his wife about sexuality. And probably he needs to start with, how 
Can it be better for you? What is your experience with me? Let's just have an open conversation here. How can it be better for you? What can I do to make this a better experience for her? And you start with that. That's just a beginning point. But you have to open up this conversation and you have to start start talking to each other about your sexual experience. Keep talking to the Spirit. Let the Spirit give you wisdom. Let the Spirit guide you. And in this fear thing, if you run into a situation, I can't talk about that. Well, no, that's exactly what you need to talk about. You take it to the Lord and say, okay, I'm, I'm beyond scared to death to bring up this. Well, let the Lord give you wisdom. It may not, you may not talk about it today, but at some point you're going to talk about it. But men are not men because of their age or their size. They're a man because they've decided to face truth. They've decided to look truth in the eye and follow it. And God will always lead you to truth. And as men, sometimes we look at truth, but we ignore love. Truth without love is just hard and uncompromising. Love without truth just fades away, never lasts. It's just a feeling. You add the two together. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to face truth and I'm going to do it in love. And the goal is love and intimacy and oneness with my wife. Because if a man has not experienced oneness because of pornography or different things, they are not even in the same ballpark. They're not even close to the same thing. So I challenge men to be a man, to be responsible to start having this conversation with your wife and talking to her. And you might find out, man, this has been terrible for her for two years, five years, ten years, whatever. Work through it. Marriage is the ultimate team sport. We do this together. We don't get there by ourselves. Open up, be vulnerable, and let God lead you to a better sex life, a better marriage. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting. I was reading Genesis 1 and 2 last night, and it was so cool to read about Adam and Eve and how they were at the very beginning of it all, which was naked and unashamed, right? Like God saw them and he said, be fruitful, be fruitful and multiply, like take care of the earth the plants, the animals. And so to Adam and Eve, their whole body head to toe was a way to serve God. So there was no difference between their hands serving God versus their like sex organs serving God, because he said, be fruitful and multiply. Like every inch of who they were was for the praise and the glory to God. And when does this change? Well, when there's a little temptation, and Eve eats a little fruit, and then so does Adam. And then what happens? All of a sudden, they see that they are naked. And I'm not totally sure about like the literal or figurative sense of what the Bible is saying there. But what I do know is that they were experiencing like guilt and shame. And so what do they do? We see like the first like works based sort of salvation. They try like covering themselves up like, oh, I'll take care of it. Like God doesn't need to know if I like hide myself. And we see this fear, like the separation, this guilt, this shame, this thing that Adam and Eve were never created 
to carry. They were never created to feel guilt and shame that was never supposed to exist in the original idea of intimacy and togetherness, even relationship with God. We were going to walk with him and talk with him, be with him and celebrate him in acts of intimacy. And now this is, this is shifted in the beginning of like sin in, in Adam and Eve. And this is unfortunate news, but it's also really, really awesome news for us because we have something really great, which is the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us. Like first John says, if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us of unrighteousness so that we don't have to live with guilt. We don't have to live with shame that. Yeah, Adam, he messed it up. But guess what? Jesus took care of it. He has given us this freedom, this beauty, this goodness, this grace, so that we do not have to live in the chains of our sin. We do not have to live trapped in guilt and in shame and that we do get to enter into a full relationship with Jesus. Just like so full of love because that's who God is. God is love. And when we get to enter into that purity with him, we get to enter into that purity with our spouses. And so kind of like going off of what Troy is saying, like men, like, yeah, women, because I know that this is not just a male thing. It is a human thing. Like if there is any sort of sexual sin that just isn't sitting right and you don't like it, you don't like that you keep turning to this thing, this porn, or if you don't like the way that you're speaking with coworkers, or you don't like that you are looking at people in a certain way and that you want to only see your spouse that way, guess what? You are actually free from that thing in the name of Jesus. Like you do not have to live trapped in this lust battle. Jesus fought and won the war for you so that we can enter back into this original idea of Eden, of pleasure, of togetherness. Like it does get to be pure. It does get to be holy. Why? Because God is good and his spirit lives in you because Jesus paid the price. And so we have to start talking about sex in relation to what we are free from. We are free Mm -hmm. from what Adam brought in. Sorry, Adam. You know, we don't hate you, but we are disappointed. But we are free from what he did to us, right? (laughs) We have the gift of intimacy with our creator, and which means we get to enter into pure and holy intimacy with our spouse. And so in Jesus' name, if there is any lie holding any marriage captive related to sexual sin, let it be dead in the grave with Jesus 2,000 years ago and come out of that grave a holy blameless person in Jesus sight, because that is what sex was created for. It is not a dirty, nasty thing that we need. It is a gift out of purity and goodness from our creator. Um, so yeah, there's that, I guess. I think we're going to finish the podcast with that. That was beautiful, (laughs) Morgan. And yeah, I'm not going to say anything else. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we love y'all. Um, Praise the Lord that we're free from lust. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a boom 
No, I can't. I wait till you approve. I got people with me on the other side. Spirit on me too bright. I see they tryna ride. Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive. Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive. We stay alive. Hey, hey, put your hands down. Hey, we ain't coming questions, yeah, we bend down. Creed, I am a don, it's the hands now. Went from thinking broke to living rich now. Hey, busting with the twos, you watch me slide now. Hey, she look kinda bougie and she bad now. Hey, mama think I made it easy, proud now. Hey, hey. I'm a prince, that's Rakim, that's Rakim. 23, check the rings, FOG on my feet, on my soul. Jesus Christ, set me free, uh, free. Only motivation on me now is heavenly. Lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. I talked to God, told me people's not my enemies. I'm cutting ties with the spirits trying to play with me. Stay alive, hey. Mm-hmm. 